0: Travis Ryder of the BamaOnline.com staff, following the media viewing periods at Wednesday's football practice at the University of Alabama, the Crimson Tide, working inside the Hank Crisp indoor facility on a very, very hot afternoon in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Upper 90s once again here in west central Alabama. Expected to catch a little bit of a break, I guess if you could call it that, maybe in the next day or two. But looking ahead to Saturday afternoon, that 2019 home schedule opener for the Crimson Tide gonna be hot you already need to be drinking water maybe be mixing in some uh, Powerade zeros, Gatorade whatever but drink a lot of water a little bit of the uh, thirst quenchers but a lot of the H2O go ahead and you need to be doing that right now because it is going to be brutally warm at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Alabama once again working out inside in full pads on Wednesday. uh, We were in there for a couple of periods. Uh, Some things that we did note during that time from an injury standpoint look pretty much like it has the last couple of days. If you've followed us here uh, on Instant Analysis on Monday and certainly Charlie Potter's daily practice reports there at BamaOnline.com, you sort of know the injury situation for this team as it sits today. Continue to see and hear that Justin Aboigbe, uh is still probably a few weeks out from that foot injury he sustained late in the preseason. It has kept him off the practice field for a couple weeks now. Uh, he continues to work on an exercise bike, uh, wearing a boot. So uh, that's sort of the situation with the true freshman defensive end. Um, Otherwise, looking at the offensive line today, no noticeable changes there in terms of how they were lining up in their first couple of groups. That first group that you saw against Duke on Saturday continues to be what we see while we're in there in the media viewing periods. I won't be surprised Saturday if we continue to see uh, some different combinations tried, not just uh, when the game is in command for Alabama, which may be as early as the end of the first quarter, Uh, But, you know, early in the game, you might see some of that. But still looking at the tackles of Jedrick Wills, Alex Leatherwood, uh, guards, uh, Evan Neal, the true freshman, Landon Dickerson uh, working at the right guard position, and Chris Owens uh, still in there at center. The second group, Darian Dahlcourt, the true freshman, uh, with Emil Ekior out. You already knew that about Emil uh, had the injury against Duke on Saturday. With that situation unfolding, Uh, we're seeing the true freshman darian dahlcourt with the twos uh, there at center Um, tommy brown working at tackle Uh, scott lashley at another tackle Uh, you've got guys like uh, kendall randolph who you saw uh, do some nice things on that touchdown run by jerome ford on saturday working at one of those guard spots as well so nothing particularly Uh, Earth-shattering, I guess you could say, in terms of the depth situation, while we're in there anyway, from the offensive line perspective. We saw the backs in there today working on some blitz recognition and blitz pickups. That was after they worked with the quarterbacks on some like a kind of a screen drill, kind of one of those delayed screens that ends up out in the flat. They did some of that. Uh, But the four or five primary backs continue to be out there and working together with Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Jerome Ford, Uh, Keelan Robinson and also Chadarius Townsend Um, defensively it was a dime day today for the linebackers and the defensive backs similar to the offensive line while we're in there no noticeable changes one thing we did see today uh, in that first-team dime same players at the same spots uh, as we've seen to this point Uh, when you talk about the corners Josh Job, Trayvon Diggs Patrick Sertan at the star uh, Xavier Money dropping into the box at the uh, Xavier McKinney excuse me McMoney we could call him Xavier McMoney um, Xavier McKinney dropping into that uh, money spot in the dime with Shaheem Carter and Jared Maiden at the safeties you had Shane Lee at the Mac linebacker position with that first group in the dime but we did see behind Shaheem Carter we did see Jordan Battle sort of shadowing uh, Shaheem Carter in that dime look today so the true freshman coming off an interception in his first career game over the weekend against duke uh might be pushing a little bit there for that Uh, i guess it would really be what the fourth safety or no the third yeah the third safety spot because mckinney goes to money uh maiden stays in the game shaheem carter comes on Uh, so uh jordan battle there we noticed a little bit today um second group in that dime probably more interest in that Mac linebacker position because of Dylan Moses being out and how that kind of pushed everybody up with Shane Lee going to that first spot at the position in the six defensive backs look. Uh, you continue to see Christian Harris, the other true freshman uh, with the twos there in the middle of the field. Markel Benton uh, also shadowing Christian Harris in that look and then a lot of freshmen in that second dime, man. Freshmen all over the place. Jalen Armour Davis at a corner. He's a redshirt freshman. Marcus Banks at a corner, a true freshman. Um, You do have Shaheen Carter, the veteran there, the senior at the star with the twos. Uh, DeMarco Helms, though, a true freshman, comes on there at the the money position in the dime. Uh, Daniel Wright at one safety and then Jordan Battle at the other safety. So that's kind of a look that we got today while we were in there. Watch the quarterbacks throw it around a little bit today. Um, I thought Talia Tonga Vailo, understanding while we're in there, they're throwing against air, uh, but I was impressed with Talia today throwing it around. You know, he had a nice start to his Alabama career with the uh, handoff to Jerome Ford going for a 37-yard touchdown. Uh, but we talked about Talia in the preseason and kind of how he seems to have made some some really big physical changes um, since his senior season over at Thompson High School. Speaking of Thompson High School, we saw Thomas Rayum, the former Alabama defensive lineman at practice today. You remember Thomas Rayham? You remember what Thomas Ram did in that 1989 Penn State game up in uh, State College, Pennsylvania? Yeah, the block of that point-blank field goal that uh, preserved the Alabama win up there. In 1989, yeah, Thomas Raham at practice. His son TJ uh, is a sophomore, I believe a sophomore defensive lineman at Boston College. So there you go, another son uh, is uh, at UAB. There you go, little uh, Thomas Raham for you today as a part of Instant Analysis. As always, this is going to uh, be uploaded to the Built by Bama online podcast. So if you miss anything, uh, you can, listen to it again in its entirety there built by Bama online podcast if you haven't subscribed already we would really appreciate you doing that you can find the podcast anywhere you consume podcast content and we'd appreciate a review as well otherwise from Wednesday's practice that's about the most noteworthy of stuff Xavier McKinney we've talked about still dealing with that hand uh, that left hand he was out there he was at his typical spot with the defensive backs, um, bandaged pretty good though with that left hand. So obviously he's had a little bit of an issue he's been working through as well. Um, But uh, if you got anything for me here on this warm, warm Wednesday afternoon, we'll try to get to it. Joshua asking about Mac Jones. You know, Mac uh, had a nice performance against Duke. He didn't get a chance to do a whole lot, but uh, you know, tried to do some things with his feet. It was four of five, I believe, throwing the football. So uh, Max still very much in place as that number two guy. But, you know, we'll see how the fall progresses, and we'll see if Talia and maybe even Paul Tyson are able to sort of shrink in that gap there between the number two and three guys. Which coaches are in the press box? You know, that's a good question. That's one we've usually asked in the preseason I don't know if it got asked this time you know we saw Pete Golding Pete Golding both coordinators were on the field Saturday as I recall Pete Golding defensive coordinator was on the field uh, Steve Sarkeesian was on the field you know typically when that happens you know and the good thing for Alabama this year is because of a couple of defensive back coaches you can keep one of those guys up in the box and still have another guy down on the sideline. so yeah i would think that uh you know between charles kelly and carl scott you got one of those two guys in the box um and so yeah that's something that uh we'll have to keep an eye on this week what's happening with the ol william again based on what we've seen uh, in the first couple of three days of this week doesn't look like wholesale changes as of yet uh, again though Nothing will surprise me on Saturday when it comes to that group. I, I'm going to be interested to see, you know, how early and the what, what it looks like to start the game to begin with, and then, you know, what type of combinations they look to get in the game and how quickly they look to do it. Uh, because you really want to get this thing at least semi-settled because you got to develop some cohesiveness uh, but between those five guys, especially with a road game coming up in South Carolina a week from Saturday. Garrett, we gave a little bit of a rundown of the injuries. Just talked about Xavier McKinney; he's out there with the hand um, you know, wrapped up pretty good. Didn't see Emil Echior. Um, you know, he 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 wasn't expected to do much this week uh, after the injury he sustained against Duke. So, you know, from that standpoint, they actually look to be in pretty good shape. Knock on wood. Tight ends, Jason. They were efficient against Duke, right? Four catches, two for touchdowns. You'll take that ratio. It's kind of the ratio it seemed like Irv Smith Jr. and Hale Hinch has had uh, over their last couple of years in the program. But, um, you know, maybe not as heavily involved. The big thing, though, with Irv Smith Jr., he caught more than 40 balls last year. That's that's a big number for the tight ends. Uh, but, you know, he was another one of those 16, 17 yards a catch guy. So he didn't require 50, 60 catches to put up some big yardage and touchdown numbers. I think that uh, Miller-Forestall especially, and you saw this Saturday against Duke. I mean, ideally with as much as they want to go from that three wide receiver set, you know, they can have Miller-Forestall available because his skill set allows them versatility in their, their approach and their personnel groupings. You know, They can go four wide receivers, even though he's a tight end, and uh, feel like they can get a pretty good matchup with him in the game. I think like the offensive line, tight ends, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a work in progress, maybe from a blocking standpoint. There's the Ben Davis question. You know, Jeffrey, uh, Ben did see the field last Saturday against Duke. Jason, it's a good question about uh, inside linebacker depth because it's something that we really didn't get a good look at uh it's what we saw against duke was that there's obviously a good bit of separation between shane lee and uh christian harris and maybe the rest of those guys now part of that probably is that they're so young that they're having to invest even more reps in their first group with those two guys to get them ready and that comes at the expense of some of the guys behind them but you know, Markel Benton, as I talked about earlier, looks like he's still uh, involved there in the in the dime package. Uh, I think Jalen Moody's still in that mix. You know, Ali Cahoe, somewhere in in all of that. Uh, as we noted just a minute ago here on one of the one of the viewers noted Ali Cahoe and and uh, what they were doing with him at the fullback position against Duke. You know, I wrote about this Monday. I think it's I think it's obviously something that from a skill set they feel like he can help them with that but I also I applaud it as much as anything because you you keep giving guys roles you know you keep guys engaged when you do things like that too I agree I think Fidarian Mathis was one of the defensive stars from Saturday I mean, you every time you looked up you know you noticed uh Fiderian Mathis he, he's not flashy He's not going to be Quinnen Williams in all likelihood, probably not going to be a Deron Payne. He just doesn't have that body type. He's almost a little bit of a tweener uh, in terms of that. He's not really a nose tackle and maybe not as dynamic in terms of pass rush as they like from their ends. But he he has a motor, and he's active, and he shows up. And uh, I thought that was the case for sure on Saturday. Yeah, Brock. You know, you go out to, you go out to practice, and and you don't have to be uh, Mike Mayock or, you know, Daniel Jeremiah to figure out that Byron Young is a different kind of dude. Physically, um, I've said it before. He's kind of got that sort of old man strength, and I mean that in a good way. He already looks like, he already looks like he's been lifting weights for fifty years. and that just kind of leads you to think about the potential for this guy. And, you know, you think about the big picture with him and D.J. Dale and, you know, what they're, they're still having that pipeline with that freshman class of defensive linemen. Um, you know, they, they got to get Ishmael Sofisher coming along. They got to get Braylon Ingram coming along. Got to get Antonio Alfano coming along. Um, but a Aboigbe, Young, and D.J. Dale, as a future trio, yeah, that's a pretty good look. Tua, one quarter this week, Tim is asking. I think Tua could play zero quarters if that's what they wanted to do. I, you know, I'd be surprised if he doesn't go a full half. Um, you know, that first group needs to play together a little bit. I don't think they were so good against Duke that they can kind of just uh, go a quarter. Now, maybe it's not an entire half. But I'd be surprised if it's just one quarter uh, with South Carolina coming up next. I mean, I understand you will at the same time want to try to protect your guys um, in, in a situation in which you don't need to, to expose them to, to certain things. But, you know, there's also something to be said about you, you got to get your work in especially early in the season, especially when you're still trying to mesh uh, right in the middle of that offense. And, um, you know, I think his presence, for him individually, he doesn't need to play. But I think for what he means to the rest of that offense, um, you know, he needs to be in there a little bit. What else do we got, gang, as we wrap up here today? Getting a question about this next class and the needs. Well, I think wide receiver, and I think you're seeing that in the commitment list and who Alabama continues to be involved with, Hank South, Tim Watts. They do an outstanding job covering recruiting for us there at BamaOnline.com. But I'd say wide receiver. I'd say, you know, you look at this uh, commitment list with the edge defenders, Chris Braswell, Drew Sanders, guys like that that are committed. Uh, they're looking to, to add some of those edge defenders. Uh, a continuation, I would say, uh, at inside linebacker. And that's understanding that some of the guys that they recruit these days are cross-trainable, guys that could play inside or outside. I know Jackson Bratton is committed, um, in-state kid. So, uh, you know, I, I think they're in good shape. And, and quarterback, you know, Bryce Young still out there, are, Committed to USC, but you continue to hear from people like Hank and Tim and uh, others that cover recruiting full-time that uh, Alabama is still hanging in there with Bryce Young for a reason. I'd be surprised at this point, Nigel uh, Ryan, as far as Nigel Knott goes. You never say never because as soon as you do that, you go out there to the next practice and there's Nigel Knott on the practice field. But, um, you know, it just hasn't had the feel uh, since Nick Saban first talked about it uh, to open fall camp as if uh, the expectation was that, you know, Nigel's involvement with this team this season would be extensive. We'll, We'll continue to monitor it, though. Concerned about the running game. Well, I think there's a lot of Alabama fans that are concerned about the running game. You take Jerome Ford's. Uh, mop up time touchdown in the fourth quarter, 37 yarder out of the mix, and you know, Alabama struggled to hit 100 rushing yards against Duke. And I've said it before, I wrote it after the game give Duke credit. You know, that was an experienced defense, especially right there at the defensive tackle positions. So the matchup was actually pretty favorable for Duke in terms of what Alabama was looking to break in there in the interior of that offensive line. You had a couple of backs that. You know, have played, uh, but were more in that sort of feature role, and they didn't play in the first quarter. So, you know, I'm not going to quite panic just yet. I think this week you'll see the rushing numbers be more along the lines of what they need to be. That'll have probably a good bit to do with the competition. You know, um, the next time that area of this offense will get its picture taken will be against South Carolina on the road. what else gang before we wrap up as always we appreciate you here oh gosh the kicker question there it is we talked about it you know um, I think Will Riker's gonna be fine You know, it, it, it may not be entirely pretty this year in terms of his conversion rate on field goals especially if you're gonna run him out there from beyond 45 yards on a consistent basis you know, that's like playing golf and you hit your shots, your approach shots to the green and leave them 50 foot from the hole and then look at somebody else and go, okay, make the putt now. You know, you, you love putting those three-foot birdie putts. Nobody loves putting those 50-foot birdie putts, or bogey putts for me usually is what they are. Um, I want to see Will Riker struggle from more reasonable distances before I officially have concern for him. And, you know, that goes back to the mental aspect of it. As long as his confidence is okay and he still did a lot of things well in the game, kickoffs, made extra points, which have been more of a problem than just about anything else for Alabama in recent years, um, I think the kid will be all right. Yeah, Tyler, the um, the podcast version of this is the Built by Bama online podcast. You can go to iTunes, Stitcher, uh, any of those, and you're going to find us there. All right, gang, we're going to get out of here now. Look, coming up in just a little bit, you're going to have Nick Saban post-practice. Nick Saban post-practice is going to address the media. Charlie Potter will have that covered for you. Charlie will have his practice reports probably already up right there at BamaOnline.com. So we've got continuing coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide for you. I'll have some practice video from the quarterback position coming up a little bit later as well on the website, BamaOnline.com. Again, subscribe to the Built by Bama Online podcast, leave us a review if you don't mind. And as always, we appreciate you guys and gals joining us here on Instant Analysis and at BamaOnline.com. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody.